0: Please stand by, we'll be streaming live soon. Good morning. We are at the end of the month of March, and we're studying the book of Hebrews. For those of you who are joining us throughout the United States, in several countries in the world, we just want to thank you for checking our ministry and listening to the teaching of the Word of God. I hope this is continuing to be a blessing to you. Dr. Eugene Thomas from of from, from Virginia, said that the book of Hebrews is like a big turkey. And as you open it up and you begin to deal with it and all the good substantial areas, it's really a lot to have. it. It's just packed with information. So we're beginning with uh, chapter 3. Uh, chapter 2 talks about the New Covenant Chapter 1 talks about Jesus being greater than the angels. And then, chapter 3 talks about uh, Jesus being greater than Moses. But let me read it to you. Wherefore, holy brethren, partake of the heavenly calling. And so, he's speaking to the Hebrews. He is the Hebrew of the Hebrews. He's telling them that, uh, that them and him, both together, are partakers of the call of God and and it says in high priest of our profession Jesus Christ so the two are comparing each other high priest of Israel which is the regular high priest and then Christ Jesus the eternal high priest so God appointed Jesus and Moses but there is a vast difference in here uh, between the two, so let me read uh, a little bit of scriptures to introduce you to what he's saying. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle Jesus, in this sense, and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. That's the only time that 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 Jesus is called an apostle. Remember Paul dealing with the uh, fivefold ministries. You know, the teacher, the pastor, uh, the evangelist, the prophet. In the apostle means the apostle is sinned. He's just sticking out there by himself going into the world. So 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 the writer of Hebrews talks about Jesus being an apostle who was faithful to Him who appointed Him who appointed Jesus to be the apostle to the world. God did. As also Moses was faithful in all his house. So so Moses was faithful. To his house, as the, the apostle of all ages, Jesus, is faithful to us. For this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Now, what distinguishes Jesus is not his glory, what distinguishes him is his righteousness. We love to see the glory of God, but the righteousness of Jesus, no sin. is is the most powerful thing you can know about the Lord. Because you see, you and I are sinful people. And we have a hard time with sin. And those of us who do not overcome that reality uh, have a deep, deep problem with the cross. So for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he, God, who has built the house, has more honor than the house itself. And so he's saying, faithful to him who appointed. God appointed his son. And God appointed Moses. In the earthly house, Moses was the most faithful. In the eternal house, Jesus was the most faithful. And so there's a great difference between an earth person that's been faithful. Nobody compares their righteousness, their, their faithfulness to the faithfulness that Jesus exhibited in, in Calvary, and so uh, that's verse uh, verse three. For every house is built by some man, but he who builds all things is God. So you can't have a building ministry that builds thousands of people to Christ. But the one who is, rules eternally is totally different. Christ, all, although humbling himself to the likeness of sinful flesh, he is still the builder of all things. John chapter 1. He's the builder, which means he is far greater <coughs> than Moses. Well, I'm trying to distinguish that you are following Jesus Christ, the Son of God. But you need to know that Moses, as an earthly caller, God called Moses out of the burning bush, remember, in the desert. And when Moses received the call, a week later, he killed some some Egyptian up there in Egypt. But God used Moses, even in spite of his sin. And one of the things that really, really, really sparkles powerfully to me is that even though he committed... A murder, God reached out to him and built him up on that conversation of the burning bush, and so in Moses verily was faithful in all his house a servant for a testimony of all things which were to be spoken after, meaning what Moses was about to do would be spoken for years and years to come. Now you probably say, uh, what is it about uh about what Moses did that still remains today. Well, remember that in the desert, when the tent of the congregation was there, and way in the back of the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant. And of course, you know, the blood was sprinkled over the Ark of the Covenant, the, 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 the cover, and you saw the two angels each side. Inside of the cover was the manna. The manna that God provided for those 40 years, His people, bread falling from heaven, sustainers, quail, all supper time, quails would come in and, and, and fall flat, ready to be eaten. God, in the Ark of the Covenant, put them there. The manna. Just to remember, dry piece of Bread that stood there to remember what God has done. And so when you look at Moses, you are, have to be impressed because he was faithful in all. He said, There's nobody more faithful that ever lived but Moses. And so Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold for the fast, the confidence in the rejoicing, of the hope firm unto the end, saying that uh, Jesus built the house. In the house that Jesus built, we are members of that house. In the house of Jesus built is based upon the cross. Is based upon forgiveness of sins. If you cannot understand that, you have a spiritual life full of holes. There are all kinds of problems you have because sin speaks greater than the cross. It's a sin. It's a sin of unbelief. If you have that problem, you you have a serious problem because you remember your sin greater than you remember your understanding of the cross. And that is just a mockery to what Jesus has done on the cross. And so, God builds his house. Moses was faithful. Well, let's take a look at a verse of Scripture. And uh, I think I'm going to go to uh, Psalm 95, verses uh, 7. For he is our God, and we are his people. We are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice. In other words... You've got to hear the voice to be a part. No, sheep that does not hear the voice of God are not part of the fold. What distinguishes the lost from the saved is the idea of hearing. Oh, but I have a sin. I have All of us have sins. But don't tell me I'm not hearing. Because what causes me to overcome sin is the ability to hear. If you can't hear, you can't be a part of the fold, because you'll hear sin greater. I said it several times. You can hear sin greater than what Jesus has done at the cross. Uh, look at verse 8. Harden not your heart. What is a heart that is hardened? As in provocation, as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. See, they tempted. I'm going to talk about this in just a moment. What, what the people of the wilderness, Israel, close to 2 million people, died as they came to the end of the 40 years. And the reason why they did that, what happened to them, is because their hearts were hardened. How can you have a hard, hard heart? You don't pray. You don't cry. You don't seek God. You don't read the Scriptures. You simply consider your sin of the past greater than what Jesus did at the cross. And you can't forget that you are a sinner. Now, how can that happen to somebody? Because you have a hard heart. You have anger. You have anxiety. You have turmoil. You don't forgive people. You know, there is a a horizontal aspect of living and a vertical aspect of living. The vertical aspect of living is based on rejection. In, in rebellion against God. But the horizontal simply means you and others. When other people in your life that committed sin against you cannot be put in the right place, you harden your heart. You have anger, bitterness toward them. How can you have that when perhaps God already forgave them and gave them a new life, but you have not given them a new life? You still condemned. And this is what Psalm 95 is saying, verses 7 through 10. When your father stamped me, proved me, and saw my work. Now, you know, so let's go to the desert 40 years. First, to get there, they had to cross the Red Sea. God simply just sent his power and dries the Red Sea. And as they made to the other side, he took the army of Pharaoh. To the, to the depth of the sea and killed all of them. Ah, if I saw that, if I saw water re- standing up on my left and on my right, I would not in no shape or form disbelieve what God has done for me. So I wake up in the morning and stop by for lunch. That's just desert. Nothing but weeds and dry weeds and rock and sand. And suddenly I looked up to the sky and bread is falling. I just go on the ground, pick up a piece of bread, eat it every day for 40 years. <coughs> quail. I, I've i eaten quail. It's just a mini chicken. It is a very small little chicken. And if you eat five of those quails on the grill, which I have done it in my lifetime, uh, you are eating. Just little bones and the meat is just like chicken. Just a delicious, delicious meat. Now, let me ask you this. If That happened for 40 years. And then when the sun scorched coming down from heaven, so God put a cloud over my, my, my retreat in my tent so I don't have to stay in the tent. I can go outside because the sun is not burning me. And then at night when I'm by myself and the mosquitoes are everywhere, you know, they didn't have trash cans in those days. You know, after you get the bones of the quail, you got to put them in a bag or throw them in the open. And there comes the mosquitoes. But God put a presence of a pillar of fire. Now, I would be a Christian right there. I would have no doubt whatsoever that my God is a powerful God and honor Him and bless Him. But as Moses is receiving the law from the Lord at Mount Sinai, they create another God of gold. What I'm saying to you this idea of hardening your heart, tempting God, 40 years receiving from the Lord, and you desire nothing from Him, you've got to have a hard heart. So, why people don't forget their sins? Because they have a hard heart. They're tough inside. They're bitter with somebody that hurt them. You know, I I don't know how to say I I I don't know what to say to you. Look. I remember in the early days in the first Methodist church in Alma, Georgia, I I say that because it happens there. And after I sang a song a woman came to me and said, Where you from, boy? I said, I'm from Brazil. You need to go back there. We don't need you here. Go back to Brazil. okay? Now, for somebody who traveled five hours to get there to sing the Lord's Prayer and to get a little offering, that was hard for me to take. Now, I she probably dead by now, many years. (laughs) But I just smiled at her and said, I'm going to follow God and I won't care what you think. I didn't say anything, but I left happy. You can't carry the past inside of your brain and consider it. Every Where is the mercy and the graces of God? So, so this is what I'm talking about. Moses was faithful in all his house, Old Testament. Jesus is faithful to his house. We belong to his house, the New Testament. I want you to hear that. Amen? Now let's, let's move a little deep. Are you with me now? I'm in the middle of dissecting this turkey. Alright? Let's go to verse 7. Uh, and and uh, and, uh, and here it is, verse seven. Uh, I uh, I lost Hebrews for some reason. Okay, here we go. I've got it again. Here we go, verse seven, chapter three. Okay. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear His voice today, three things that the Holy Spirit is saying to you. We're not in the desert anymore. The right of Hebrews is is now moving on toward toward the people of God and how to respond to God in spite of what Israel did respond to God in the desert. We learn from them. Here's what he says. And I want you to hear this because you're involved in a great battle in your life to know how to approach God. So here's the thing to do. Number one, do not harden your heart. Mm. do not harden your heart do not harden your heart when you harden your heart toward anything toward others toward this and toward that and say God's will be done you say it with a hard heart you can't say no to God until your heart is tender. You never say no to God. So do not harden your heart. Number two, do not provoke your God. I don't need your bread. I don't need your quail. I want to have my own. That's, that's tempting God. If you're inside of your tent in the desert and the quail falls on top of your tent, you will say God blessed you. But if he falls outside of the tent, uh, it's not for you. You're tempting God. God's provision is without whatsoever consideration on your part. If He provides the way He wants to provide. Is that up to you to de- de- say yes or no? And so, number one, do not harden your heart. Do not provoke your heart. Do not tempt God. It's my way or the highway. Because you're dealing with life. And life is flexible. Life is is full of surprises. And you have to learn to forgive. So, what is he saying to you and I on this concept? He's simply saying, God, show me your ways and I will believe and bless you. Thank you for providing me with quail and with the bread. Thank you, Lord, for sending somebody to bring an offering. Thank you, Lord, for sending the money that we need to live on, okay? I don't care what it is. You know, I <laughs> there's a man here in Athens, Georgia who I disliked completely. I just don't like the way he talks, the way he thinks, the way he is. I just don't like it. And so I'm at a, a time in my life when I was living by faith completely meaning no job at all just standing, staying home no traveling anymore with a guitar to raise offerings and this guy comes to my house and empties his whole car full of food to me it's been 40 years ago what I thought of him had to change and, what I, and I think what the Lord was saying is, I know he's difficult to you. I know he is kind of oddball. I know that he doesn't fit this. I just don't, can't get along with this dude. But God used this dude to put food on my table. He was saying to me, Love whom I love. Bless whom I blessed. It's not up to you to decide. It's not up to you to decide what you're going to do with this? You have to do God's will in spite of. Now verse nine says this, "When your fathers tempted me and provoked me and saw my works for 40 years, uh, uh, I think it's verse nine that he talks about generation. Is it? I don't know where that word came in here. I think i got a little lost in here, but let's see. Oh yes. Uh, when your father stinted me proved me and saw my works 40 years what God has done wherefore I was grieved with, with that generation That's, uh, it's, it's, verse, uh, it's verse 10 I was grieved with that generation of course a, a generation is 70 years in 70 years everything changes and so they were there 40 years 30 years short of a generation. But in 40 years, 2 million people except the house of Joshua and Caleb died. There are more funerals than quails. People died left and right. Why did they die so fast? It's because, look at verse 10. They do always err in their hearts. When I saw that, it took me to Leviticus. Because in Leviticus, the cross is amplified. And what Leviticus simply says, is that every offering that you give unto God, it dominates, it clears your heart. For instance, when when the bull is brought in as a sin offering on the Day of Atonement, for the sins of the priest you have to flay or scrape the bones in to take the meat outside of the camp and burn it, which has the sins of the people. And then burn the, and remove and only save the kidneys and the liver and the gall. As an expression of the cleansing fluid, the blood, cleaning the blood. What God was trying to do is to tell them, if your heart is right, I receive your offering. It doesn't matter if you don't have money or, or I receive your the problem is in the heart. And so and so in verse ten it says they do always err in their heart. The seed of disobedience is in the heart. Verse ten of Hebrews three, the heart. What does it mean about the heart? It's not how good you are, how how much you stand in church how much you lift hands. It has to do with the heart. You know, every time I go to church, I hear a voice, $50 tied. And the Lord says to me, $200 would be better. Now, think about what you received last week. Oh Lord, I got $2,500 in Social Security. <coughs> that means I'm supposed to give $250 and I'm clear. Well, that's, that's the mind. That's the tide depending on the mind. So after the year, after the month is over, I count the money, and I gave $1,000, half of what I'm supposed to keep. And I keep on saying, Lord, uh, uh, why do I do that? And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, you have a good heart. You know, I got a call from a Brazilian preacher last night. Him and his wife out there in Boston. And they are in a horrible need. They came, they've been here two or three weeks to have some little money. They can live on for food, but unless he gets a job, they're not going to make it. It'd be very embarrassing for that young man. Uh, let me tell you about that young man. His father was a policeman, and the father took a two by four and beat him in the back and broke several of the bones. Of this young man, so he had an unbelievable anger. And he drove 80, 80 80 miles an hour. I'm inside of the bus. The mission, those days, had its own bus, a mini bus. Dark, one way highway, where two cars cannot pass each other. It's one way. You have to be. And I saw lights coming after me. I don't know what happened, but that young man saved my life. So, this week I've got a call from him or a text or something. I don't know how I got it, but he's asking for help. See, I I'm honored to help him for two or three months. You know, and out of my social security. For too long, I have no money to pay my card uh, bills and the food that I eat, and uh, and, and so all of that begin to come to my mind that I'm running out of money, running out of money. Oh my God, my God, my God. And something came to my mind and said, What's in your heart? (coughs) I said, Lord, I can bless him. You put it back, I know that. And I can guarantee you, in the next week or so, God's going to put it back, all of it. So the idea here is that you live. Look at verse 7. Wherefore, as the Holy Spirit says... Do not harden your heart. Do not provoke God. Do not tempt God. And so Jesus has to say this to you that keeps bothered about the past with all the problems you've had. And you keep on bringing in and keep on judging people. Keep on being hard on people. Keep on being hard on yourself. Keep on being hard on everybody around you. Look at verse 11 says. Listen, I'm giving you a chance to change. Don't be hard on me now. I'm reading the scripture, verse 11. So I swore in my wrath. I'm determined to do this. They shall not enter my rest. You know... You know what it is, resting? When George is playing Alabama in the national championship until the fourth quarter, everybody's on their pin and needles. Oh, my goodness, what's going to happen? Suddenly, the quarterback from Alabama sends a ball all the way to the corner of the field and somebody that's supposed to pick it up and score like they've done it several several years. But one of our, of our players from Georgia rises up in the air about 5 feet, 10 feet and grabs that ball and runs the, the other way to score. As he was running, <clears throat> I'm beginning to rest. I'm, I'm beginning to get out of my seat. I'm beginning to jump out of my chair. Hallelujah! Of course, you know, I know that my neighbors, all of them are 95 years of age, so they can't hear a thing. And so, all (laughs) I'm just yelling and screaming, Woo! Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Go, 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 go! I think if you live in Georgia, you've done the same. It's like entering the rest of God. It's all done. I look at the next image, and it was our quarterback, Bennett. Bennett? Stetson Bennett is crying he entered the rest of God he entered the rest rest simply means thank you Jesus you know you go out to eat and you order a nice piece of chicken and you say it could be about 2 ounces it could be 3 ounces and if they have blasphemy it will be 5 ounces or 10 ounces suddenly it's 12 ounces and I oh, thank you, Jesus. I'm going to eat chicken today. Oh, thank you, Lord. Because no, it's I, 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 I it's twelve ninety five for a piece of chicken. It, it looks like a, a piece of cracker. But when I see that big piece of chicken, I enter the rest of God. That's what he meant. That's what he means. Your spirit rests to know that God is in charge. Your spirit just, just, just takes a... A break and you say, thank you, Lord, for watching over me, for strengthening me. As I'm about to hit that, those two lights on that dark night, Mauro, I don't know, God used Mauro to lift the bus. The men passed by and then lowered the bus. I don't know what happened, but he saved my life. Now he's by, he's somewhere in the country waiting for me to send my little money, and I'll send a little money. Why? Because he gave me rest. That's why this is this is what God is saying on verse 11. So I swore in my rest they shall not enter my rest. Alabama will get the ball and score and beat Georgia one more time. See the rest of God brings peace, but without that rest, you don't want to live. And so verse 12 says, Take heed, my brother, Pay attention to me, please. Lest there be in you, any of you, an evil heart of unbelief. Because the evil heart of unbelief never forgives the past or everybody involved. You live to hate. You live to accuse. You live to condemn. <clears throat> and I'm saying to you today, <clears throat> can't have your way. You're going to quench the Holy Spirit and lose your call. It's about time to stop pointing fingers. It's about time to enter the rest of God and say to Him, Lord, I love You. My past is forever gone. I am completely submitted to You, God. I'm crying before Your presence, Lord. Touch touch my hands, touch my heart, God. Help me, Lord, to bless me, Lord, to heal me, God. I don't want to go back in the past in the mire again. I'm the new creature of God. I am in peace with the world. Peace with God. Peace with my brothers and sisters. Peace with my past. I hope I'm out communicating with you. Unbelief begins when you doubt, reject the work of the cross. Least any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's what I was talking about. When sin is not dealt with in the past, the present is always hard, bitter, angry. Why should we do that, Brother Rick? Why, what is that for us to do? Because we are partakers of Christ. Verse 14, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. I have to hold my confidence. I'm a partaker of the blood of Jesus Christ. I put my sins on his hand and I'm not going to get it back. When he died on the cross, he took the sins of the whole world upon himself. And I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. I'm a new creature. I'm not condemned. I'm not put down. I'm not harassed. I'm not angry. I'm in peace for the work of the cross in the blood of Jesus Christ. Removed the sin from me upon him, and he took my sin to Calvary, and I'm free. Romans six, three to five, and I'll finish this. Romans six three to five. For you know that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ. We're baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto death. What does it mean? Not only did we die with Him, but we were buried with Him as well, which means that all the sin and transgression of our lives, of the past, were buried with Him. When they they put Him in the tomb, they put all my sins in that same tomb as well. The Lord bless you. I do